Welcome to Millennial 715. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. As of this week, all Americans aged 16 and older are eligible to schedule their COVID-19 vaccinations. And just today, Laura herself got her second Moderna shot. Woo! How are you feeling, Laura? Um, So I'm about 12 hours post shot and I feel pretty good. I actually feel better than I did after the first shot. Um, mm. But even that had such mild side effects so I'm feeling pretty good. I have like the tiniest bit of brain fog right now, but apart from that, nothing. And that might just be the the weed because you're excited for 420 tomorrow. Could be. I have not started yet, though. I see. We will talk about that I in a moment. I am a professional. I'm waiting to start my 420 celebration. <laughs> she's, she's waiting to start during After Dark. There we go. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm That's a professional. Fair. I smoke after the show. <laughs> I got my second Moderna shot on Friday, as did Pat. And I, too, uh, had less of a reaction to the second shot for the first 12 hours. And then oh, no. that night, I'm walking Brooklyn. I'm like, oh, man, I feel like I have a flu or a fever coming on. And then I got the chills that night. I took some medicine, quickly knocked those feverish feelings right out. And then that same feeling came back later the following day. Pat, meanwhile, he did not have the fever feelings that I was experiencing, but he did wake up in the middle of the night that first night and was uh, sweating like crazy. And he had tons of body aches. And those lasted for him most of that second day. So what we learned, Laura, is that you might get the side effects from shot two the second day, but it wasn't bad, all things considered. We've heard some pretty scary stories from people who really went through it, especially with that second shot. And we didn't experience that. So we can't complain. But it was interesting how we got the shot. We were fine, fine, fine. I was like, oh, cool. This is way better than shot one, like you're saying. And then, eh didn't feel so hot. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Something that I did want to plug, though, um, if you are in the United States and you go to your local Office Max, they will make a copy of your vaccination card and laminate it for you. For free? <laughs> so, yeah, for free. Awesome. Um, they're doing it They're doing it for free through the end of July, I think. So definitely head on over there. Um, I personally did not want to be carrying around my original copy, especially since it's just paper. So this is a really good way to get something that you can carry with you. It's safe and you can leave your original copy at home. And that also leaves it unlaminated so that if you need to get a booster in a year or so, you'll be able to do that with the same card. That's a really, really good idea Office Depot had the only problem is you have to walk into one of those office depots for the first time in like 10 years (laughs) who goes to one of those stores anymore am i right (laughs) i go there to buy stationery because i'm an old lady (laughs) (laughs) damn it (laughs) there you go and i do want to say i think i said office max it is office depot andrew you you caught me on that so okay yeah well uh i thought they were owned by the same company no are they i don't know didn't they buy each other oh wait there's a logo at the bottom of this pdf yeah they're the same company now. Oh, okay. Well, then there we go. Maybe I did go to an Office Max. They had to merge because Pam was the only one who was going to either of those two stores. Exactly. <laughs> like, but you're right, up. though. Like, what's the point? Because I was I was shopping for a keyboard, an ergonomic keyboard, not long ago, and it's slim pickings in store, and I ended up just buying something yeah. online. Like, I shouldn't have even gone to a store, but I wanted to like test them out. You know, see how I they hear felt. that. I still go to Best Buy, but yeah, Office Depot. I feel like that's past. I'm past Office Depots. We also found out in the past week that my 
home state of Nevada is aiming to fully reopen by June 1st. So that was exciting. Kind of piggybacking on something we spoke about a couple weeks ago. I want to make a recommendation this week. Book your summer travel now if you're making some plans because those hotel rooms, those Airbnbs are going to disappear for the entire summer very soon if, if many of them haven't already. People are so eager to get out. So jump in on that. And also a sidebar recommendation, if you are traveling this summer, if you're going to a national park, a theme park, a beach, whatever, sorry if this sounds sounds obvious, but I'm proven right time and time again, wherever you're going, get there early. If you're going to go on a hike in a national park, get there 6.30, 7 a.m., because when you'll be walking out of that national park after your delightful morning without crowds, you're going to see cl- crowds flooding into the parks, flooding into the trails. Every time I look at these These people, you know, showing up around 10 or 11 a.m. And I look at Pat and I say, this is why we got here early, because people show up late. Get there early. You will thank me later. Pam's laughing. What's so funny? (laughs) Do you show up late? No, 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 I don't. But you're (laughs) you're right, because the point of going on a hike is that you want to be alone with nature and you can't do that with like 600 other people. Ugh. You know, it's like that scene in in Winter Soldier where Cap's like on your left, on your left. That's like all you're going to be doing yep. the whole time yep. you're trying to just enjoy a leisurely hike or like huffing and puffing if maybe you've picked something a little bit more strenuous. And it's just like, it's no fun. It's definitely no exactly. fun. So I'm, I'm a big fan also of getting there early. Like the latest I'll start uh, like a local hike out here is maybe like eight thirty or nine. Okay, but that's like a that, late for that's, me. But that's okay. not like a national park. That's just like local trails. So it's not as right. It's not as ex- it intense. You know. True. Also, this yeah. could be a good summer to consider vacations that are maybe a little more off the beaten path. Um, pun not intended there. But just thinking about some of the most popular destinations, like if you're thinking about a theme park, or if you're thinking about a really popular beach destination, those might not be the best because they're going to be crowded all the time. It might be better to wait till the early fall for some of those things when most of the crowds have dissipated. Yeah, that's that's true. Even national parks, like that's not an off the beaten path activity anymore. And I think it's all because of social media. All these photos of these beautiful parks go viral. You see your friends going places and you say, I want to go there. So then, you know, these parks have tons of people. And in many cases, the parks can't really handle the crowds anymore. We went to uh, Arches National Park about a month ago and we took a hike to Delicate Arch and we got there butt early at my direction. And this is the arch you see when you Google search arches, natural arches, you see Delicate Arch. We go there. We're at the arch probably itself. It's like an 45 minute hike, get to the arch. I don't know, 8 a.m., 8 30 a.m. There's only one other person there. He's taking photos by himself. Perfect. Just me, Pat, and this other guy. I was kind of afraid I was going to fall off and die, but that's besides the point. We start heading back. Tons of people coming in. We would not have had those great pictures if we got up even a half hour later because there's a certain time people start streaming in. So no matter what you're doing, get there butt early. Thank you. Also, like if you're a local, this is just like my my gripe. Stop telling visitors like where the local spots are because now I can't go enjoy my hike up on Mount Tam <laughs> or in your yeah. woods because you guys are giving away all the secrets. Like keep some for yourself if you're close. There's actually a bit of a 
trend with some photographers where they'll share pictures, but they won't share where they took them. I mean, like... Because they don't want those places to become overrun. Yeah. And I'm down I'll with that. I'll share some stuff, but there are some places and I'm like, no, you got to find that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I found that myself. You, you got to find that because yourself. if not, everyone will be there. And like, I don't want to not be able to find parking at this one place. <laughs> I hear you. So do y'all remember Dogecoin? Yes. Mm -hmm. Your hit cryptocurrency. Yeah. So Dogecoin went kind of insane over the last few days. Um, I've been texting with my brother about it because he's got major FOMO. He had invested in Dogecoin back when it was, you know, a couple cents a share. And he sold it off at a certain point. He made a little bit off of it. Um, but he's really upset with himself now because it's up to 40 cents a share. Um, so if you bought into that when it was in the single cent range or even lower, the people who bought into Dogecoin when it was under a penny a share, those are the people who came out on top. I am not one of those people. Um, but it's been a lot of fun to watch. I made a super like I literally threw $100 into Dogecoin. So it's like, you know, I'm not losing my entire life savings if the whole thing goes toes up, but it's been a lot of fun to watch. It's been like bouncing between 30 cents and 40 cents for the last few days. And I think, Andrew, you've been watching it, too. Yeah, because you were texting me as well. And I also have FOMO <laughs> because I sold too early as well. So I'm happy for you. I told Laura on Slack, hold it, hold it, because Laura was panicking. She was like, oh, my God, it's up to 40 cents. Should I sell? I said, hold it. I'm hoping it goes to like, you know, $2,000 per Dogecoin and you become oh a millionaire God. and then like i'll get a little bit of that because i'll share our slack convo i'll be like laura remember when i said hold it come on can i have a million dollars now please that, so that's what i'm hoping right. for at this point because i i missed the boat but it's crazy i mean dogecoin is not worth anything it it's will really crash not. at some point it's stupid it has no value it's so dumb <laughs> it's so so dumb like when you see people I mean, I've seen some people who invested tens of thousands of dollars in this thing, which is just insane. Like, it's such a poor financial choice to make unless you're loaded and have a ton of disposable income. Like, penny stocks are great because they're a great way for you to learn how to use the stock market in sort of like a low risk way because it doesn't require very much investment and you can just kind of watch the market and see how things go. But I would not recommend dumping thousands of dollars into something like this. I don't understand the people who did, but I am a little envious of the ones who got rich off of it. That'll be you one day, Laura. I'm sure of it. Uh, I don't know day. about that. I don't know about that. I also wanted to know, have you all seen the teaser trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Yes. Yeah, this is the new Marvel movie. It looks really, really good. The fight sequences alone. I mean, I don't know anything about yeah. the story, but the fight sequences amazing epic. yeah they look really good and i think this is probably um a long time coming for people who were disappointed by iron fist on netflix <laughs> that abomination of a show um so i'm really looking forward to that but i also know that based on conversations we've had in the last few weeks representation is just super important and i don't think this could come at a better time yeah and i think you know marvel takes a little bit of a risk here because it's a title that the general public aren't familiar with. So props to them for deciding to create a movie out of this story. Speaking of television and film, there was a new episode of The Crown that aired this weekend, Saturday morning, 6.30 a.m. Pacific, very early. But I was up. I watched 
the funeral for uh, uh, the prince. Wow, was I impressed. The firm and the queen really know how to put on an event. Like, And I know uh, the prince as well had planned the funeral uh, procession uh, long before he died. But man, just like I, I am so blown away by how that is all organized and how seamlessly it's all pulled off. Um, it was airing live even here in America. And yes, I was up at 6.30 a.m. on a Saturday to watch this. There was this, you know, at one point there's the funeral procession and everybody's walking. And um, the prince had custom built a he outfitted a Land Rover to become a hearse. He himself did that. And so while that. Land Rover is moving along the road like there's a steady drum beat and everybody, including his sons and the family, except for the queen. She was in a she was in a car is steadily marching to the beat. Every footstep aligns perfectly with the drum beat. I'm like, this is incredible. Were there rehearsals like a wedding? Like I was just blown away. And then I started having a lot of fun because I started fantasizing. What if Harry's guest Harry's guest to the funeral was Oprah? And Oprah was like running point for Harry and like blocking people when they try to come and yell at Harry for that Oprah interview. I was like, man, that would have been the best thing ever. But Pam, you didn't watch this? <laughs> no, I didn't have time. Um, I didn't have time. Yeah, I just I had a I, lot going on this weekend. And, um, and uh, so I did not watch. And so I guess that makes you the biggest royal fan now on this oh, show. Oh, now she's pushing the job <laughs> off on me. Fine, I'll take it. It's fine. No, no. I mean, like, I, I, I'm I, sure it was lovely. I think that what you're describing is also really um, significant because he, he is first and foremost a military man, you know, spent all those years in the Navy. And so I think it was a very nice touch just to the idea of, like, the discipline of marching troops and things like that. So... Yeah, that's um, that's really great. I didn't see anybody give Harry any side eye, so I don't think there was much behind, drama behind either. The scenes, I'm sure. <laughs> but, that's where it all yeah. happens. Okay, they're all they're right. too smart to do so. that in the open. <laughs> so anyway, Laura, today's 420. I take it you're celebrating. If by today do you mean the day the episode is released? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm operating yes. in the future here. Okay, got you. Well, <laughs> Laura then, looked yeah, at her calendar that's... in a panic. She was like, wait, I know, I, don't tell I was me like, I missed 420. <laughs> I was like, wait, it's the 19th. You know what? I feel like after the year that was 2020, everyone deserves to uh, celebrate and enjoy 420 in whatever way they would like this year. Um, so have at it, y'all. Have a great day. I'm going to be off tomorrow. Um, I actually took... Are you uh, serious? <laughs> no. So my reasoning for it, I took today and tomorrow off because I was getting the vaccine today and I didn't think anything about it. And then my mom was like, you know, that day you took Tuesday is 420. Did you do that on purpose? And I was like, no, I actually didn't. And now I'm wondering what people I work with must think of me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They know exactly what's going on with you. Uh, it's fine. They also know that I'm getting my vaccine, so it's okay. fine. <laughs> it's, a, it's a happy coincidence, for sure. Yes, exactly. It's time for a word from this week's sponsor, Public.com, who make it possible for everyone to trade on the stock market and invest in the right way. Public is a great app that makes it easy to invest in companies that you love. What I really love about Public is the social aspect. You can see what other users are saying about every stock, so you can feel like you're making informed decisions. 
What's more, public.com takes the responsible approach to trading. They don't promote risky or gambling-like behavior, offer complex trading tools to beginners, and they don't encourage day trading. As someone who has traded for a couple years now, I can tell you that it's the long-term investments that have the highest chance of paying off, and you don't need much money to get started. Public.com lets you buy stocks for any amount of money. You can buy fractional shares, meaning a part of a share, say, if you don't want to buy a full share of an expensive stock. And Public.com is creating a new, more inclusive culture for investing. The Public.com community is made up of 40% women and 45% people of color. Go to public.com slash millennial to follow me and Laura on public.com and see what we're investing in. You can start investing today with as little as $1. You'll even get a free slice of stock when you join. Just go to public.com slash millennial to download the public.com app. Valid for U.S. residents 18 and over, subject to account approval, see public.com slash disclosures. This is not investment advice. I wanted to talk about a couple social media topics. I noticed a couple things that I thought were interesting. First of all, Facebook is going to be launching a video speed dating feature, maybe a little late since we're getting towards the end of the pandemic here. But basically how this is going to work is you fill out a little profile. The app will cycle people through speed video dates that last four minutes, just four minutes. It's unclear how many video dates a person will go on per event, but the app says that if you both have a great time, daters will then be scheduled for a 10-minute second video date. After that, you will be able to stay in touch through Instagram, iMessage, or email. I thought this was pretty cool because I've never speed dated before IRL. But I feel like if I were single, I would maybe try this. A, of course, it would be a great story for the podcast. But B, I'm just thinking about it's so much easier to leave somebody at the end of that speed date when it's video and when Facebook is probably just going to cut you off. There's no awkward ending. Would you two try this? Yeah, I think Yeah, I mean, I feel like this cuts to the chase a bit more perhaps than, you know, trying to message somebody on a dating app. So... Yeah. And people are probably less inclined to be creepy when they can see your face. So that's nice. Oh, right. Yeah. No, that's so true because people, you know, when they're behind a keyboard yeah. and like a smartphone or a computer screen, they're way more brave and bold about mm-hmm. the things they'll say. Whereas if somebody's talking to you face to face, not to say that there wouldn't still be somebody who would say some shitty things because, of course, there will. But I think that overall, people will probably be less inclined to be fucking creepy if they're having to look you in the eyes while they say stuff. Yeah. It's a big problem with social media. There are so many better conversations on something like Clubhouse when you're talking, not necessarily face-to-face, but also just voice-to-voice. I was, you know, when you put this point in the doc, it made me think back on my experiences with online dating. And I remember there used to be more of a distinct stigma attached to online dating. And I was wondering if anyone else remembers this. And do we feel like online dating has been completely normalized at this point? Was there a stigma because it was, was it seen as being nerdy? I think it was just seen as being like kind of desperate. Like, oh, you can't find somebody in person. So you have to, you have to resort to online dating. Wow. Like, I don't know if that's, Mm -hmm. maybe that's like a, I wonder if that's like a gendered thing. I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe it's maybe it's a community thing, too, because I just always remember like people would make little comments or little jokes about online dating. Or if you saw, 
you know, mass media representations of online dating, it never portrayed those people in the best light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a straight thing. Maybe. Like, I don't know, but it's definitely not the case anymore. It feels like I feel like most people I know and interface with on like a regular basis have met their partners through some kind of online dating. Laura said At interface drink. Oh, <laughs> <Business> <laughs> there term. it is. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Um, but like with most <laughs> with most people that. I know nowadays it seems like they've met their partners online, whereas 15 years ago, it wasn't like that. The tables have completely turned. I think for our generation, it's it's normal now. Um, I still think that it was, like you said, it was kind of a bit of a learning curve. Like there was a long time where people did not want to admit to it, or it was kind of like a dirty secret. But I know that like, like my mom... And, like, anybody in her age group, so, like, I would say, like, late 40s, 50s, 60s, I think that they still think it's really weird. Um, Because, like, for example, I have um, a relative who met somebody online, and she's older, and they still talk about her like it's weird or like it's not really a relationship because they didn't meet traditionally within the confines of my family, And I just think that's so odd to me because I don't know, maybe it's also because we spent so much time online growing up and just like the nature of how we all know each other is online. So to me, there was never any doubt that like a meaningful relationship could be forged online because we've all been doing it for years. It's a good point. Right. Well, and that's how we've all met some of our best friends. Right. Exactly. it, It seems even less weird to us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Andrew's thinking about it. He's like, no, have no. I met some of my best friends online? No, no, no. That's not what I'm <laughs> He's thinking like, about. I don't know about <laughs> you too, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking about how I didn't start dating, period, until 2012. Because my first relationship, I wasn't dating to, to find that person. It just sort of happened. And, th- and that was back in 2007, 2008. So then four or five years pass. And in those years, I think online dating probably exploded because more and more people started getting iPhones and other smartphones. So by the time 2012, 2013 rolled along, I online dating, I think, was already normalized by that point for the most part. So I didn't have any shame. I think that's fair. In some other social media news, I also saw that Instagram will test allowing users to decide whether they can see like counts on other people's posts. So you might remember that a while ago, we spoke about how Instagram started hiding the like counts. And we all liked that because it can be stressful to see. There's this burden on people, you know, to get likes. If you don't, then you suck or whatever. Uh, With this, with this new test, you will be able to decide if you see other people's likes or not. I don't know what to think about this. I would prefer that they just removed the like counts for everybody by default. Maybe you can turn them on if you want to see them or if you want to display them on your own profile. So I wanted to ask you two, will you hide other people's like counts? It sounds stupid to like actively go into the settings and be like, I don't want to see anybody else's like counts anymore. Please, I can't take the burden. It's just, it seems like, I don't think it's something you would want to admit out loud. Like, yeah, I disabled being able to see other people's likes because I can't take it. So, okay, so it doesn't bother me. But I fully respect if this is like a mental health thing 
that would help mm-hmm. you in the long run because so many people put stock on stats for social media and I'm sure it's even worse for younger people as well. Um, yeah. especially in like, you know, high school, like teenage aged young people, because now your popularity is like visibly measured publicly. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. So, so I, I yeah, I mean, like it is kind of weird the way they're doing it, but I also feel like, you know, if it, if it helps somebody, then it does, I don't, I think that's fine. Yeah, I also feel like you don't owe anyone an explanation. Like, I'm trying to imagine somebody coming up to you, Andrew, and being like, did you disable like counts on Instagram? Like, if somebody was douchey enough to do that, I feel like you would be well within your rights to be like, why do you care? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. But if we're talking about it on a show like this, it just feels awkward to be like, I disabled the like counts. I can't bear it. Eh. And still, I mean, even if you wanted to be upfront about having done that, I don't think you owe anybody an explanation as to why it works for you. And that's all that matters. I, I agree with that. It Fuck seems the like haters. the only people who really want to keep like counts on are influencers. They express disappointment in that initial test where they were just disabling uh, like counts by default. And for influencers, it makes sense. In that they need to be able to show certain people that they that they do have power online, that they can get those precious likes. Look at all this engagement on my posts. It's all sickening, but it's just the reality of the situation. I mean, like none of none of us are influence influencers, but I will admit that I've gone in for job interviews and they want to know how my engagement is online. Wow. <sighs> Don't you hate that? Yeah. So like it I mean, it's just like whatever to me, but sometimes I'll do things on you know, um, like Instagram stories or something, just so I can like have something to show oh prospective employers and just be like, see, look, like this many people watched this dumb roundup I did on. It's not dumb. Like, I mean, I kind of have fun doing them. But the point is, is that it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't really care about how many people watch something, but like it's important yeah. to some people. So, but it's a stupid measure of success. It is, it is. It's not healthy. It's not. Those numbers aren't even accurate half the time. No, but they, that's like something they want to see. They just want to see if like people are invested in like your opinion or your voice and, and like what you right. can bring to their company for me in my profession. Um, I, I get yeah. that. You but have to show like, that you it can... is kind of dumb because like I'm not, I'm not an influencer. It yeah. just bumps me out that that's where we're at, that they have to ask no. you questions like that. Like, ugh. It's weird because I have the inverse experience. Anytime I'm job hunting, I lock down all of my social media because I don't want prospective employers looking at it until after I'm sure that they're going to be cool with the podcast and everything. I've spoken about this before. Like, I, you know, I'm not interested in pursuing a job that is not cool with my extracurricular activities, you know, Um, but still, I don't want, you know, employers creeping my Twitter feed Without yeah. my knowledge. <laughs> right. And hopefully they don't find the pod and start listening to the pod. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I uh, I had a chat. It wasn't like a job interview or anything, but I had a chat with uh, somebody who I regarded as important. And it was my first time meeting them. And, you know, we were on the phone and, uh, you know, having an initial small talk. And I was telling them what I do. And I, I said, I do a couple podcasts. And he said, oh, yeah, I listened to that one earlier today. And I didn't know which one, but it was the week of millennial where I said to Laura, 
maybe it was just last week or two weeks ago, I said, Laura, please don't remind me how there's feces particles all over the hotel room. <laughs> I'm just thinking that this guy listening to this. I didn't ask him if he heard oh, Millennial no. or MuggleCast. I didn't want to know the answer. Because I knew he would have heard that part because it was very early in the episode. But it could have been way worse. Like, you could have been talking about <laughs> sexual exploits or, you know, pooping in the hallway. And we've done that. on, <laughs> Yeah. And we've done both of those things on this right. show pretty extensively. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see where this whole like viewing element goes. I guess what I learned from you two today is that, like, muting someone, the point of this new user flow is to be a feature you can privately use for your own mental health, and that's cool. And by the way, this feature is apparently coming to Facebook as well. Well, in lighter news, I wanted to talk about some Disney news unrelated to Marvel since we already discussed that. Uh, they <laughs> they have another live-action movie coming down the pipeline. Uh, this one is going to be focused on Cinderella's evil stepsisters. So uh, if you were hoping for less of these villain origin stories or villain continuation stories. It seems like they're really kind of trying to drive this kind of storytelling home. Um, one thing that's really interesting about this live action in particular is that it has some pretty big star power behind the scenes. Uh, so Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo, who did Bridesmaids and Barb and Star, which I know Andrew was a really big fan of, they're both on board to develop this. Still unclear as to whether they're going to appear in the movie itself. Uh, but if they do, it won't be as the Tremaine sisters. That's like the official last name for the evil stepsisters of Cinderella. So some fun little Disney trivia for you guys that are looking <laughs> forward to getting back to those pub quizzes. Um, so if they if they do appear, it'll be in different roles because they're looking for some younger actresses to step in as the evil stepsisters themselves. Um, for those of us keeping score... There are so many Disney live action adaptations coming down the pipeline. Like I could be here for five minutes listing all of them. But I think the most recent one that's coming soon is Cruella, which will also be available for um, an added fee of $30 if you want to check that out on Disney Plus instead of going to the movies to check that out. I wanted to get a little temperature check from Discord and also this panel. And I just wanted to know if you guys are like suffering from live action fatigue yet or from this like villain origin story fatigue, which seems to be a really big trend right now. I wouldn't be fatigued if these were all actually good, but they can be so hit or miss. These yeah. movies. I'm thinking of like Mulan last year. Beautiful film. Nice story. But it wasn't a very com compelling adaptation, especially when you have to live up to the original animated movie. Same thing with Lion King. Like, it was pretty bland. And, you know, Pam, you called out the fact that um, uh, this Cinderella evil stepsister movie is going to have a big name cast, but so do so many of these live action remakes. And it doesn't help the movies, really. There's star power, and that's cool, and it's exciting, and it makes you maybe want to see it more, but it doesn't make the movie any better. So I'm just, I just, I just wish they would try harder <laughs> not that they're not trying hard but it's just these aren't living up to the original animated movies and it's a disappointment yeah i feel like the only live action well, i say live action here because it it's debatable whether having um, animated animals is live action um, but was the jungle book overall the jungle book has been the only live action adaptation that i've enjoyed i was Super disappointed by The Lion King and by Aladdin. 
Um, and by Beauty and the Beast, which, by the way, Beauty and the Beast was my favorite Disney movie as a child. So I was definitely going to be more critical of that one going into the theater. And it disappointed me. Um, so, yeah, I just it feels like this is. This would be an easy opportunity to make money and put out good content, but it just feels like there's something missing. And I don't know what it is because the star power's there, the money's there, like the costuming is there, the sets and environments are there. I don't know if it's a writing issue or if it's just really hard to take something that was one time an animated musical and convert it to live action. I think that might be part of the challenge with a lot of these movies. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a really good point, because they're not cheap to make, you know, and obviously Disney is seeing some kind of a return because if not, they wouldn't keep making them. But I guess none of us as moviegoers, the collective us, learn a lesson because we're still paying to go see these movies or checking them out at some point later, you know, and that's the only reason why they're they're still getting made. It's a very safe bet for Disney. They know these movies are going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. So I don't blame them in that regard. I think I've said this on the show before. If you want to see more original stories being made, start seeing more original stories in theaters. you got to support these movies. Otherwise, Hollywood is not going to make them. Why bother when nobody's going to show up? That's, you know, that's especially such a good point. these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Laura already mentioned her favorite live action. And I just want to echo that that Jungle Book is also my favorite Disney live action so far. I think it was yeah. really well done. Um, I really wanted to love The Lion King because really good cast, but it was just not as good as it could have been. Um, right. So. Caveat, I will say Jungle Book was definitely my favorite. However, Christopher Walken as King Louie. Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken just makes me deeply uncomfortable <laughs> no matter what yeah, he's what's in. wrong baby yeah, yeah and I remember being in theaters and seeing that and hearing the voice and I didn't I didn't put two and two together at the time but even just hearing his voice made me super uncomfortable like my butt was puckered sitting <laughs> oh in the seat God. I was, I was yeah, just like on. oh I don't like this and then I saw the credits and I was like oh of course I was uncomfortable <laughs> I hate that guy but yeah like apart apart from that I really love that movie I will say though that's a good example of a animated Disney movie that was a lot of fun a lot of people liked the original but then they do this retelling it's stripped of the magic that the animated one had There was, what, one song in there, maybe two in the live action one? And for a lot of people, that's why they fell in love with the animated version. And also, when you see something as a kid, you hold it in your heart. There's a nostalgia factor. Think of, like, how you play a video game you haven't played in, like, 20 years. You you played it as a kid. You try to play it again as an adult. You're like, this actually isn't very good i used to be in love with this game why don't i like this anymore (laughs) it's like it's like old movies too the bar is just impossibly high and i don't know they got to do something because well maybe they don't people are going to see these movies no matter what oh go on oh danielle in the discord says um with relation to this cinderella's evil stepsisters um live action adaptation i think going the comedy route is the only way it could possibly work like a buddy comedy that would be funny <laughs> yeah i i can see that and especially if Kristen wig is going to star in it potentially i think it could go that route as well 
Chris was saying that um, she has live action fatigue. I don't know if I want more. Tracy says, I feel as though the live action remakes from the villains are overdone majorly. And we've had a lot of other folks echo the idea of like, why does it have to be a redemptive story? And that resonates with me. I think sometimes it's okay to just tell, you know, a villain origin story without trying to redeem them or trying to justify what they've done. Like, that's, just let them be evil. That's why I'm worried about Cruella, because it kind of looks like that's what they may do with that movie. But we'll see yeah. when it's released next month. Michelle had a good comment in the Discord, too. Cats has a big name cast. <laughs> Cats is the movie that uh, even the people that made it want to forget. And they can't until the Oscars this Sunday because it's up for best original song. But I just wanted to double down on my recommendation of The Jungle Book, which which will be my recommendation for this week. So if you haven't watched it and you're looking for for one that is Pam and Laura approved, then you should check that out on Disney+. Plus. Um, also, just wanted to mention briefly, we found out on Monday that Downton Abbey 2 is going to, it's now in production, and it's going to hit theaters this Christmas. So they're knocking this out really quick. I guess it doesn't take too much time when there's no special effects. You know, this isn't the Jungle Book. This is just a two-hour television episode. Um, I'm excited. I thought the first Downton Abbey movie ended very nicely. They kind of wrote out Maggie Smith's Dowager Countess as well. So I'm going to be curious to see if she's actually in this. In the press in the press release, it said the entire principal cast is back. I guess that includes Maggie. I don't know. But I'm going to be bummed if she's not in it. You know, this is dark, but I feel like they wrote her out in that last movie because Maggie Smith is getting up there and, you know... She could, she could die before the next movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? I had the same thought when I was reading this press release that maybe they did that because they weren't sure if they were going to do more. And if they did, then it would be like a good send off. But if right. she was around and interested, they could maybe bring her back. Right. Or maybe but, she wouldn't have been physically able to anymore. Yeah, or maybe she just wants to retire. Like Maggie yeah. Smith has given us so much. If she doesn't want to come back for another Downton movie, like amazing character she really she really comes in with a lot of zingers and ca- and, uh, and sass. but like but if she if she doesn't want to come back like she's she's done her duty um and and she's gifted us with a lot so yeah um i loved downton abbey the television show uh, i saw danielle in the discord she said downton abbey should have been my quarantine show it's not too late danielle watch it anyway it's so good it's all on amazon in america currently i believe um so yeah i'm excited about this when pat and i saw the first movie it, we were the youngest people in the theater by like 30 years and i had <laughs> no shame <laughs> love that <laughs> Uh, but Laura, isn't your mom a big Downton Abbey fan too? She is. Yeah, I have never watched the show. I really need to because I know I would like it. Yeah. Um, I've had so many people tell me that I would like it. I really like The Crown, and I feel like if you like The Crown, you'll probably like Downton Abbey. Oh it's yeah, a very similar trend of like palace intrigue. Yeah, and things like that. So. It's so much better than The Crown. It's just nonstop oh. drama. Oh yeah. Oh my god, 100%. I love it. I don't remember if I told you, but. The one sort of like passing familiar thing I have from that show was several years ago, 
I was home visiting and my mom was watching it. And I hear it's like very posh, upper crust British accent go, you know, I'm starting to get quite worried about ISIS. <laughs> oh, and- yeah, you told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this was at the height of, you know, ISIS, like the Islamic State. Right. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I thought this took place a long time ago. Um, and my mom, you know, roundly corrected me. But yeah, I really do need to watch this. I do intend to at some point. Excellent. All right. On to some political stories now. So and this is a serious one to start us off. The Derek Chauvin trial has now concluded with the witness testimony and uh, closing arguments were made on Monday. So now the verdict in this case, of course, which involves which involves the killing of George Floyd uh, may arrive within the next few days. We'll have to see for how long the jury is going to deliberate. I think America on a whole is on edge about that. Like I said previously, I don't know how the jury can fuck this up, but it happens a lot in America. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But meanwhile, in the last week alone, a cop in the same state of Minnesota accidentally pulled a gun instead of a taser on 20-year-old Dante Wright and killed him. And in Chicago, again, in this past week, actually, no, sorry, this story occurred about a month ago. But the video, the body cam footage just came out in the past week. So in Chicago, a police officer shot and killed 13-year-old Adam Toledo, who had his hands in the air, and he was killed with a single bullet moments after the kid had clearly dropped his own gun. Time and time again, it seems like many police just aren't capable of handling difficult situations. And, you know, on the first story, on the Dante Wright story, Police are trained to pull the correct weapon. They they carry a gun and a taser. How the fuck do you pull the wrong weapon? You know, you put one on one side where your dominant hand is. You put one on the other with your less dominant hand. They feel different in your hand. Like, this is something that shouldn't happen. It has happened before, uh, but not often. Uh, this police officer did step down, by the way, after this. Uh, but still, the story was so sad. And then... In the case of the Chicago kid, why is the default position for so many cops just draw and fire your weapon immediately? There's no there's no middle ground in between, like, talking to somebody and pulling your weapon. I watched the body cam footage um, from the Adam Toledo shooting. And one thing that infuriates me about it is that the police officer is chasing after Adam. He says, put your fucking uh, drop your fucking weapon or stop fucking running something, something like that. You know, he drops the weapon, the cop shoots him. As soon as it's clear that Adam Toledo is gravely wounded, all the cops around him start acting all nice. Oh, hang in there, buddy. Hang in there, buddy. You know, come on, big big guy. You got this. You got this. You just shot him. Now you're talking like he's your kid. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, he's he was a child. 13. And yet he was enough of a threat that you needed to chase him down and gun him down. And that's the thing that I just have no patience for. I get so sick and tired of these arguments that like, well, police officers are their people too. They make mistakes just like people in the heat of the moment. And it's like, okay, so if a police officer who is presumably trained to handle these situations can't keep their shit together in a high stakes scenario, why do you expect 
a member of the general public to be able not to panic? Like, why do police officers get sort of the benefit of the doubt when they panic, but these victims don't get the benefit of the doubt? It's fucked up. That is such a good point. I, a white man, am paranoid as fuck when a cop is behind my car. These police officers, they're tasked with too much in every community. They don't receive enough training. There's a lot wrong that needs to be fixed. And I know there have been many bills put into place on a state level, on county levels across the nation, but things just don't seem to be moving fast enough. And uh, it's heart-wrenching. Yeah, it really is, especially when you consider how quickly these types of events in general, shootings in general, have ramped up as more and more people are getting vaccinated, as more and more things are opening up. It just feels like, oh, America is going back to regular life now. And that includes killing people. And again, in the case of this 13-year-old, the kid had his hands up in the air. You see that on the body cam footage. And yet, this officer still panics, I guess, and pulls the trigger. It's mind-blowing but how many times have we heard of that happening you know that's that's the shitty part yeah of all of this is that it it um i don't know like i i was you know right now the the big story surrounding all of this too especially with regards to the trial and the upcoming verdict is that they're already gearing up for mass riots um you know uh, in that home state. And it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, well, like, what do you think is going to happen when time and time again, the justice system just proves that nothing ever happens, you know, like none of these cases ever work out the way they're supposed to. Nobody ever gets brought to justice. Of course, there's unrest. Of course, people are upset because nobody is ever held accountable. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing anybody can do to get out of these situations when, when, when something that should be routine um, just turns into basically pleading for your life. It's awful. In other news, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, representative of Georgia's 14th District and resident crazy person on Twitter, um, scrapped her own controversial America First caucus after receiving blowback from members of her own party. So on Friday, her office said that the America First caucus would be launched, quote, very soon. Her spokesperson that day also complained um, about an initial draft of the caucus flyer being leaked. And then all of a sudden, this flyer started going around And randomly Saturday afternoon, Green spokesperson notified CNN that uh, Marjorie Taylor Green is not launching anything, despite the fact that they had made a statement 24 hours previously that she was. Um, In reading the flyer, I read it over so that you don't have to. Um, (laughs) the, The high level points are that it attacks absentee voting. It also threatens to expose deep state actors. And it also says the quiet part out loud. Um, And I quote, America is a nation with a border and a culture strengthened by a common respect for uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions. This was so bad that top House Republican Kevin McCarthy said the Republican Party is the party of Lincoln and the party of more opportunity for all Americans, not nativist 
dog whistles. Liz Cheney, another top House Republican, said racism, nativism, and anti-Semitism are evil. History teaches that we all have an obligation to confront and reject such malicious hate. And Adam Kinzinger, another Republican House member, said, while we can't prevent someone from calling themselves Republican, we can loudly say they don't belong to us. So this is a pretty embarrassing rebuff of her. But I think it also shows, again, how the Republican Party is like at least the establishment Republican Party is quietly trying to distance itself from Trumpism without rocking the boat too much. Right. Because then you get Trump's wrath if you exactly. do rock the boat too much. This is a very exactly. delicate line for them to walk. And I I don't feel sorry for them because they can grow nope. a pair. But um, it's entertaining to watch. Yeah. And this America First Party, I mean, the name alone, you know, it's dead on arrival. We all know what what they were going for here. And it's it's disgusting. But unfortunately, an America First way of thinking rose under Trump. Well, and she also has plenty of time to do this because she was stripped of all of her committee assignments, which has an impact on her level of effectiveness in Congress. Um, So something that I would recommend, this is my recommendation for the week, please check out Holly McCormick. Uh, She is a Democrat who is running against Green in next year's uh, midterms. So check her out. Um, And I would also just like to say that Marjorie Taylor Green does have one of her colleagues who's supporting her, and that's Matt Gates. <laughs> so it it really says something when the only person who's supporting you is the guy who was under federal investigation for sex trafficking. Is the pedophile. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess to uh, lighten things up, I have something that's not as heavy, uh, but it is kind of a little bit heavy. Uh, so I am still, for some reason, getting emails for the next door page from my neighborhood, despite all of my attempts to unsubscribe from these alerts. Every once in a while, though, you know, they come up with some with some good stuff that that makes for some good conversation on the show. And so over the weekend, I got one of these emails. Um, it was from a woman who was posting, and she was very upset because she had heard about a family's plans to release balloons in the air uh, in an effort to memorialize their deceased loved one's life. And she was specifically concerned because she said that there was no regard for the environmental impact releasing balloons could have. Uh, namely, she was concerned about destruction and also uh, concerned about the ecosystem and where these balloons could land and um, whether, you know, seagulls and stuff like that could eat these, um, the balloon plastic, stuff like that. Uh, and and this is how I learned that in California, it's actually illegal to release balloons in the air for any kind of like personal or civic celebration or promotional activity um, or even for product advertisement. Uh, specifically, you're not allowed to release balloons that uh, contain conductive material. So rubber rubber is that or filled with gla- uh, gas lighter than air, which is what you would need to make these balloons uh, fly up into the sky. Uh, it turns out all of this was a bit of a moot point anyway, because the family of the deceased found out about this post really upset that this person was, you know, 
complaining about this happening and that people were commenting saying that they she should notify the police so that it wouldn't go down. Um, and they alerted everybody in this thread that the balloons were biodegradable and they had gotten permission from the authorities to do this. So it was something that was blown uh. way out of proportion. <laughs> Um, but but it made for an interesting fun fact for me to learn. And uh, so I wanted to ask you guys, and if you're listening in the Discord, you can chime in with this too. I wanted to know what the most uh, strangest or most specific law or ordinance or maybe like an HOA bylaw that you've ever been made aware of that you would never even realize was was a, a rule that you were supposed to abide by. Because I had no idea that you could get fined $100 for releasing balloons. Yeah. If they catch you. Yeah. First of all, that's a very California law. I like it, though, I because agree. for the environment, it, it is helpful to have this law. Um, but one that jumped to mind for me, you mentioned HOAs. And I think I documented this on the show a couple of years ago. Uh, there were a couple people in my last in my Chicago condo building who did not like the dogs in the building. Uh, they thought that these dogs were doing damage to the grass in the courtyard and peeing and pooping in the courtyard, which wasn't true. There was a proposed rule that came up that would have banned pets from even walking through the courtyard. They were completely banned from entering the courtyard. That was a big deal because that courtyard is how you get to the sidewalk to go and walk your dog. You would have had to have had to uh, gone out the back through the alley along a road around the entire building and then get to the sidewalk. And not only is it not exactly safe to be going, you know, if you think about walking your dog at night, it's not exactly safe to be in an alley when it's dark out, especially in Chicago. So that was a reason that it was a problem. Also B, it was just very inconvenient for dog owners and C it's like the dogs are a part of the community these people who are in the condo building, many of them are owners. It was just completely heartless and thoughtless. So that frustrated me. And it was because of that event and a couple other rules they wanted to put up against dogs that we formed the pet committee at my condo building. And I was a part of it. <laughs> and I still get the emails forwarded to me about pet related business. And I don't want them to stop because it's funny. I still get them. Um, but yeah, so that was incredibly frustrating. But also, while you were just talking, I was thinking there are states, and I need to look this up while you two talk. I think there are states where you can't make rights on red. At a red light, you can't Ooh, make a right. Yes. And we wow. do have some intersections like that here. But it's not across the board. But there's usually a sign, right? This is no right yeah. on red. But I think yeah. in some states, it's just the default. And if you don't know that, That's you weird. can start making rights on red. And yeah. then you can get pulled over for that. Yeah, that sucks. I will say um, the thing that I'm aware of is kind of similar to what Andrew described. I've never lived anywhere that did this, but I first heard about it because Mark used to work security for a very ritzy neighborhood. <laughs> and he should really come on and talk more about that experience because he has some great stories um, but one of the things that he made me aware of was that this community enforced uh, poo DNA testing. So basically, if you had an animal that lived there, you were required to submit a DNA sample, basically poop, so that it could be sent off to a lab. That way, if your dog shat anywhere that it wasn't supposed to, it could be collected and sent off for testing <laughs> so they could nuts. find out whose dog it was, and then you would be subject to a fine, plus you had to pay the fees for the DNA testing for the poop. 
And I just, you know, we're in North Georgia. This is a very semi-rural area. And I think that anybody getting that uptight about poop um, clearly doesn't have anything better to do. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was pet sitting for a relative that lives in a, um, she has a condo in, in kind of like this townhousey neighborhood. And she said, when you take the dog out to the bathroom, you can take him across the street because that's where the lawn is. But can you just make like a really big show of picking up the dog poo? Because there are people that like will just look at the uncollected poop and just assume that it's my dog because it matches the size profile and stuff like that. And then she has to be like, no, like I picked up my dog's poop. So just like, could you just make sure to, you know. I guess she wanted me to just like go in slow motion or like whatever. (laughs) It was so dumb, but it it is kind of like crazy that, you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't pick up their dog poop, but like, don't you have anything better to do than to just go around looking for it and then decide, well, like this neighbor has a small dog. So like it must be this neighbor's dog, but she's definitely not the only person with a small dog. So, and I will say to Pam's point, I had a neighbor a couple of years ago, make a very similar accusation against me, and they were pretty rude about it. Um, But then a few days later, they approached me outside and apologized for it because they were like, I saw somebody who doesn't even live here walking their dog that's around the same size as your dog, and they left the poop and walked away. And I was feeling stupid because I was like, here I am getting on my neighbor's case. And it turns out someone who doesn't even live here was the culprit. So you just have to, you have to think about how hard you're going to come at people over this kind of stuff. Yeah. Concerning rights on red, Michelle, who's listening live on Patreon, says that you can't make rights on red in Australia, in Australia. And that actually reminded me, that in England, I don't think you can make rights on red either. I just remembered that uh, Jamie, a former MuggleCast co-host, he lives in England. He used to spend a lot of time in America. And in like 2007, he spent a lot of time with me in America. And I would drive him around a little bit. And he started realizing that I was making rights on red in New Jersey. And he's like, you can make rights on red. I'm like, yeah, of course you can. I'm <laughs> like, you can't do that over there. He's like, no, red means stop. Like, he said it very matter of factly. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> we'll see. Over here in America, we drive on the right side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Interesting. I always love hearing about weird laws that go into effect. Like Mm -hmm. at the start of every year, I do some Googling to see if there's a compilation list of new laws, new weird laws that are in effect across the country. Shana has a good one, too, which I learned... I think two almost two years ago now when my grandfather passed away there are restrictions for spreading ashes in a lot of states and in california yeah. if you want to spread them you have to be six feet away from the coast so we we ended up just paying um uh, somebody that had a boat by the piers in san francisco to take us out so that we could spread my grandpa's ashes but but yeah like that was something that we had no we just thought we could spread them anywhere yeah i mean i can't imagine why you would immediately wonder if something like that could be legal like once they're spread like nobody's gonna yeah, yeah. well they, they tell you at the when you go pick up the ashes they, oh. they give you like a they give you a permit and they ask you if you're going to spread them and then you have to 
I don't know if like they have to provide, I can't remember exactly how it works, but I guess you have to tell them what you're going to do with them. And then they give you a permit so that if somebody stops you, you have the, yeah, like that to show them. But, uh, Shelby also brought up, uh, one that's an unfortunate reminder of a discussion we were having a couple minutes ago. The killing of Dante Wright taught many Minnesotans that were not allowed to hang air fresheners on our rear view mirrors. That's why yeah, he was pulled over. Yeah. Who knows? Distracting. What a reason to pull somebody over. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. That's like a quota one. Oh, I need to hit my quota for the day. That's another yeah, thing that police exactly. need to get rid of. Wow. That's crazy. Well, coming up in After Dark today, we've actually we've been very focused on our listeners today. And coming up in After Dark today, we are going to continue that. We have a Bay Choice themed episode. We asked our patrons, what would you like us to talk about? And they submitted some questions for us and some topics for us to touch on. Also, I have an update on a podcaster I really love. And it looks like Pam has a Rage of the Week, too. I do, and I, it has to stay behind a paywall, so dun, dun, you guys are going to have to listen to After Dark if you want to Let it be uh, about the one. nudist neighbor. Let it be about the nudist neighbor. <laughs> it's, it's not. Okay. I'm on pins and needles. I feel like, Pam, you're such an even-tempered person. Yeah, yeah this one I'm, made me so upset. Yeah, I, so I can't mad. wait to hear it. You should also become a patron because you get to watch our live streams as we record each new episode. Pam has like Beyonce hair going on today. Do you have like a fan blowing on you? Your your hair keeps moving, Pam. I mean, I have the ceiling fan on because it's really hot I outside see. Well, today. I, I see. So. Okay. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm looking at Beyonce with the hair and, you know, of course, Pam's beautiful any day, but the thank hair you, is like, you. wow. Is the MTV you. Movie Awards, uh, Video Music Awards. Yeah, I'm getting ready this? for the Oscars and, you know, my close up in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash millennial is where you can pledge today. And thank you in advance very much for your support. We greatly appreciate it. A couple other reminders as well. Make sure you're following the show for free on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode of Millennial. You can contact us by writing directly to millennialshow at gmail.com or using the contact form on millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everyone. Bye.